This is Pastor Ryan Clark from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. You are listening to the audio of the current sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. Thanks for joining us. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. An old man lived alone here in Minnesota. He wanted to till and plant his garden, but it was very hard work for him. His only son, who would have helped him, unfortunately, was in prison. The old man wrote a letter to his son one day and mentioned his situation. Dear son, I'm feeling pretty bad because it looks like for the first year I won't be able to plant my garden. I hate to miss doing the garden because your mother always loved planting thyme. I'm just getting too old to be digging up the garden plot. If you were here, my troubles would be over. I know that you would dig the plot for me if you weren't in prison. Love, Dad. Shortly, the old man received this telegram. For heaven's sake, Dad, don't dig up the garden. That's where I buried the guns. At 4 a.m. the next morning, a dozen FBI agents and local police officers showed up and dug up the entire garden, but they didn't find any guns. Confused, the old man wrote another note to his son telling him what had happened and asked him what he should do next. His son's reply was, Go ahead and plant your garden, Dad. It's the best I could do from here. Gardening, planting, tilling, sowing. These are all things that the Lord Jesus used to talk to his people and explain spiritual truths, especially in the chapter that we're looking at here today. In chapter 13 of Matthew, it has all of these parables that Jesus uses, and every one of them has to do with gardening, with sowing, and with reaping. We've talked about the sower and the seed, and Pastor Ryan talked last week about the parable of the wheat and the tares. And there's another one that we're going to be looking at here today having to do with gardening. It's from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at the 31st verse, where Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. As we continue to make our way through our sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come, looking at what God has to say about the kingdom, this is what we're going to be coming back to over and over again here today. In the kingdom of God, what you sow always grows. How many of you with a show of hands has ever heard of Dr. Mordecai Ham? The same amount as last night. Nobody. Nobody's heard of this guy. Why? Well, because he was a relatively small-town evangelist back in the early 1900s. 
But maybe you heard about someone that he sowed into the life of at one of those evangelistic crusades that he had. It was a teenager named Billy Graham. This little evangelist, Mordecai Ham, had no idea when he was sowing these seeds of the gospel that one of those people that was coming would be one of the biggest evangelists in the history of the world. I guess you could say that what you sow grows, doesn't it? And that's nothing compared to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it. Jesus was only here on this earth for 33 years, and he only had, in those 33 years, just three years of active full-time ministry. But in those three years, what he sowed growed, grew to be the largest religion in the world. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 12, he says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, he's talking about going up and hanging on that cross and dying for the sins of the whole world. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men and women and children to myself. When people hear that there is a fresh new start, the forgiveness of all of our sins, that comes just by putting our trust in Jesus and getting baptized. Well, that message has drawn billions and billions of people to Jesus. What he sowed definitely grew. Look at this. According to Pew Research Center in 2015, there were 2.3 billion, with a B, Christians of all ages living in the world the Center for the Study of Global Christianity reported that the number of Christians in the world edged past 2.5 billion in 2019. Nearly one-third or over 31% of the entire world's population claims to be Christian. That's a lot of sowing, and that's a lot of growing. Here we have a map of how Christianity has spread from that little tiny place in Israel throughout the entire world. When you sow good things like Jesus Christ, like Billy Graham, when you sow as parents, as godparents, when you sow into this world, into people, in God's kingdom, it always grows. Now, there's a second parable, another short one, right after this mustard seed parable that Jesus shares. And he says this, he told them yet another parable. The kingdom of heaven is also like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Now, the important word for us to look at here in this parable is the word yeast. Now, for those of you that know a little bit about the Bible, is yeast in the Bible a good thing or a bad thing? It's almost always a bad thing because yeast stands for sin. What is he saying here? He's saying the same thing. In the kingdom of God, 
what you sow, whether it is good or whether it is bad, it's inevitably going to grow maybe even bigger than you ever wanted it to grow. I never thought I would have these three guys in one of my sermons. What did all three of these mass murderers have in common? Adolf Hitler and, and Mao and Stalin. You know, one of the things that they had in common, and I looked this up this week, all three of them had fathers who were abusive to them. All three of them had fathers that treated their children very badly. Those fathers sowed into their children and there was a harvest, unfortunately, in all three of them. What you sow always grows. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. We love to focus on those promises that are good, right? Those promises in the word, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That is a promise of God. This is also a promise of God. That when we reap to the flesh, which comes naturally to all of us, it will always reap destruction. What are the acts of the flesh? Well, you, if you look in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says the acts of the flesh, those things are obvious. We see them all over us, right? We see them all around us. And they always reap destruction. Now he says there at the end that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's kingdom talk, isn't there? What is he talking about here? Why is sin so tempting? Why is it so tempting? Have you ever thought about that? Doing those things that God has said not to do, why is it so tempting to us? I think one of the reasons it's so tempting to us is because it comes with a promise. And that promise is that this thing that God has forbid us doing will somehow, some way, these acts of the flesh bring about the happiness, joy, and contentment that we're looking for in the deepest parts of our soul. Unfortunately, the one that's making that promise is a liar. And that's Satan, the father of lies. He is the one that's always whispering into your ear, yeah, I know that God said not to do it, but it's going to make you happy. You're missing out on all of those things that are going to bring you the contentment that you're really looking for in your heart. But remember what Jesus said, the thief, and that is Satan. He always, in everything that he's trying to do, in every promise that he whispers into your ear, has a plan, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. 
He wants you to sow to the flesh, to do those things that come naturally that are against the will of God, because he knows that eventually, just like God's word says, what you sow, you will reap. And so he knows if he can get you to do one of those things that God has said not to do, it's going to have consequences. And like I said, probably bigger than you ever had imagined. He's looking to destroy your life. He's looking to destroy your family. He's looking to destroy everything in your life. Why does he hate you so much? Because you are made in the image of God and he hates God. And on top of that, if you have been baptized like little Asher and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have the name of God on you. And he especially dislikes you. How does he know how to destroy you? By getting you to follow through on those acts of the flesh, to sow to the flesh instead of to sow to the spirit. In James 1, it says, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. What you sow grows. It's not going to be that one time that it's not going to happen. That's what Satan wants to tell you. You're going to get away with it this time. Just disobey God this one time. This is how it is in the kingdom of God. What we sow grows. You know, I was thinking about that this week that Unfortunately, I think a lot of people that call themselves Christians try to live a life that is just like the world, but just a little lighter, right? Not quite as bad, maybe a step or two better than the, than the world out there. And in fact, what they're doing is they're trying to put one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. But I can tell you from experience that in my life, when I've tried to do that, have a foot in each world, there's no peace in that. There's no joy in that. And that's why Jesus said in, in Revelation that he would rather we be hot or cold. He doesn't like the lukewarm. So either embrace the world and all that the world has for you, which is nothing, and, it, and it's gone so quickly, or embrace the Lord and put both feet in his kingdom and be a Jesus freak and love him and sow to him and sow to his kingdom. Because that's where you'll find real life. So he says in Galatians 6, once again, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. What is it to have eternal life? Well, Jesus tells us in John 17, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Eternal life is getting to know God. And as you say to him each day, Lord, I thank you for the cross that provides me a fresh start each day. And with this fresh start, 
I want to sow to your kingdom. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with me today, you just show me, you just whisper into my ear how I can sow to the things of the Spirit and I'll do it. I'm yours. You're mine. I'm yours. I want this relationship. And as you are sensitive to his whisperings into your ear, as you're sensitive to reading the word and those words coming off the page as a way of telling you which way to walk, as you do those things, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get to know God. You're going to get to know his heart. You're going to learn to hear his voice. You're going to be in a day-to-day relationship with him. And that is eternal life. That is eternal life. That is the best life possible. And remember what Jesus said, I've come that you might have life more abundant than anything you could have ever dreamed. And that comes through a relationship with him where you are saying each day, Jesus, thank you for the fresh start. Here I am. Send me. The fruit of the Spirit. This is what happens when you say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What do you want to sow into the world today? Acts of love, sharing Jesus. What do you want to do through me? I want to be in step with what you're doing. Because I know that as I sow to you, that is going to grow. Mordecai Ham could never have imagined that one of those little tiny mustard seeds that he sowed into Billy Graham would become what it did. And in the same way, God wants to use you and me and all that he's looking for because his son Jesus has taken care of our sin are people who are willing to sow unto him. In verse 9 of Galatians 6, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's a promise. You will reap a harvest as the Holy Spirit guides you through your life, as you seek to sow into his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will finally find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Here's our very important point of today, and it's this. God's intention is not that we would fit Christianity into our already present lives. It was never his intention to say, you know what? Just keep on living your life. Keep on doing the things. Keep on sowing to the flesh like you have been, but add a little Jesus into it. 
maybe an hour on Sunday morning. Add a little Jesus into your life, but keep the rest of it the same. That was never God's intention. Instead, his intention is that we would receive a fresh start through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what the cross is all about. Every day you wake up is a fresh new day where your sins are washed away. And then completely lay down your old lives and allow him to start over and do something new with our lives that will produce a harvest. That's God's intention for you and me. Not to add him in, but a fresh new start, completely new. This is why he said, you must be born again. It's like we're laid down in death and started over again with a fresh new life. Martin Luther once said that the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. Even after we're baptized, every day we have to do that. Every day we say, Lord, I blew it again yesterday. But by the cross of Jesus, I lay myself down again, and I'm raised up to brand new life with a fresh start. And I just want to tell you, I'm yours. I don't want to sow to the flesh. Holy Spirit, help me to sow into God's kingdom. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, what you sow always grows. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.